Pastor Ed Taylor speaks of the pathway of temptation that led to Eve's sin in the garden. Eve saw, Eve took, Eve ate, and she gave. When she saw, it gives us insight to the strategies of the devil. When she saw, this is Satan's desire to turn your look into lust. When she took, it's Satan's desire to turn your desire into a decision. When she ate, it's Satan's desire to turn your choice into slavery. And finally, when she gave, it's Satan's desire to turn the sinner into a seducer. This is amazing grace. It's time once again for Abounding Grace online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading a study of Genesis, and today we make a return visit to chapter 3 and the garden. Satan is the father of lies, and he's been up to the same old tricks since the garden. He questions God's word, casts suspicion, and even contradicts what the Lord has said. He is a liar. Today, we'll gain a greater understanding of how he works, as well as how to overcome the temptation to sin. Here's Pastor Ed. Notice verse 4 now, serpent responds, and the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And this, my friend, you can write in your Bibles is, this is the lie. This is a lie. And the lie, you shall not surely die, is really an undermining, undermining of what God said and the character of God. You're not, you will not. God's, God's not telling you the truth. You're not going to die. Can I just show you something? Turn over to John chapter 8, and all these cross-references will be very helpful to you for those that doubt the significance of the devil or the Bible teaches a real devil, all of these throughout. You know, Jesus believed in the devil. You know that? Jesus believed in the devil. He knew it, and he described him to a T. And let me just give you one of the descriptions of the devil. This is not a study entirely on the devil today, but I do want to give you insight from the lips of Jesus. Notice in verse 44 of John's gospel, chapter 8. John 8, 44. This is what Jesus believed about the devil. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for, what does your Bible say? He, say with me, he is a liar and the father of it. And this is what he's doing with Eve here. He moves from questioning, casting suspicion to flat out contradicting what God said. And that's often, what's often added is truth mixed with error. Truth mixed with error. You will not surely die because God is not telling you the truth. That's what his lie was. So not only does he contradict God's word, but he also misrepresents the goodness and love of God. It's almost like he's telling Eve here, God is holding out on you. It's almost like he's saying, if God really loved you, then he wouldn't have put this prohibition. Remember earlier, in an earlier study in Genesis, we learned about the limitations of God. 
It is God's prerogative for us. It's God's prerogative for him to limit us. And he does place limitations upon us in a variety of ways, giving us a free will choice to obey or not. And here he says in verse 4, you will not surely die. And now, he, listen, for verse 5, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, that's not what the intent of God was at all. God placed a prohibition upon them to protect them, to protect them. And we can think of a lot of examples that we would give to protect others that may not be so comfortable for others. I think of using the app Waze. And when you're using Waze and you know the way home, but Waze takes you 10 minutes out of the way, you're like, no, 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 I know how to go home. No, no, no. But, you know, with the crowdsourcing and crowd, Waze is a GPS uh, program on your phone, by the way. It's a little app you can get. And what it is, is it brings all this crowd, crowdsourcing information of people going, oh, there's an accident here, this, there, here. And it will real-time reroute you to get you where you're going fast around the information that's shared with them real-time. But if you think already you know where you're going and what you're doing, you may not even want to use Waze, but if you are using Waze, just think about it. Waze is saying, no, I want you to take this route. And you go, no, no, I already know this area. I don't want to take that route. I want to take this route. And Waze is like, you know, you're not arguing with your GPS, I hope. Um, but if you did, they're just like saying no. It's almost like the voice going, no, you're going this way. No, you're, no, I'm going this way. No, you're going this way. Like, no, why? And then you say, forget it. I'm not going to do it. You turn it off. You know where you're going. You go the way you're going. And what happens? There's a multi-car accident there. And it was just trying to help you. It's not even a real person either, but it was just trying to help you. Just saying, I can, I can save you. And so where you are, you're stuck on there for two hours. Can't back up because the guy behind you did the same thing. And so did the 300 cars behind you. So now you're stuck. If you would have just taken the 10-minute detour, you would have been home by now. And of course, in matters of life and death, we don't, we don't want to go our own way. The Bible says a man, plans, a, a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. The Bible says that there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. One of the purposes of in, being in the Word, one of the purposes of systematic Bible study, reading our Bibles every day, is that we're learning the directions of God, even for the day, even for what God has for us. Open to the Holy Spirit, He might give us a detour. He might send us in a new direction. He might impress upon us a name or a person or a place so that we might be more usable to him and protect us. Like today, some of you are experiencing a real difficult, hard situation because you want to go one way, but God has you going another way. I don't know exactly what God's doing, whether he's protecting. I, do, I can't speak to that, but I do know this. Whatever God is doing, you can trust him. You don't need to go your own way. You don't need to plow through a closed door. You don't need to make anything happen. You don't need to take things into your own hand. You don't just need to end it now. What we need to do is trust God. Surrender our life afresh and anew. We trust him with the situation. We trust him with the outcome. We trust him with the future. Because this is, this doubting of God, not trusting God, is the fertile ground of temptation. Because when you don't trust God, there's always a convenient option available to you. That's one way you can remember temptation. You can remember temptation as a convenient, sinful option. It's not just a sinful option. It's a convenient one. 
And it's not just convenient. Many times the temptations, well, I would say most times, I would say almost every time, a real temptation also is attractive. After all, why would we ever fall for such a dumb thing if we didn't want to do it? That's the problem with sin and temptation. It's like, oh man, I can't believe it, Ed. Why am I sinning? Well, part of the answer is you like it. If you didn't like it, you wouldn't do it. However, there is that once you choose the route of sin, then immediately start the realm of condemnation, which makes you feel like I don't want to do it. And there's the battle of the flesh and the spirit. But I mean, in the flesh, of course you want to do it. And of course you will do it. And of course you will suffer the consequences. This all happens with Eve. We're reading it and we've spent some time talking about it and learning from it. But this all happens milliseconds. This is quick. I mean, if you read verses 1 through 5, you're done in 30 seconds. And it's all happening real time for her. It's just quick. And it's all jumbled up in her mind. Because the devil is always going to challenge the fairness of God. And the devil is always going to challenge the justice of God. And the devil is always going to challenge the love of God. He's always going to challenge his love for you. Not just the abstract, but your love. There's always going to be a temptation. Someone in your life, well, if God is such a God of love, then... Because that's a challenge from the devil. Now, of course, it can be a reasonable question. It can be someone that's truly searching for answers. But it also is often a direct challenge that's inspired by the devil himself. The devil's been tampering with the word of God from the beginning. Now, just a brief question before we move on to the final verses today. But, you know, there is the question that many ask is, why would Eve talk to a serpent? I mean, because if, you, if you're going to the Denver Zoo to the reptile area and somebody's having a conversation with the devil, it's just not, no, I mean, with the, with the snake, it's not normal. And you may go up to him, hey, don't talk to snakes, the devil might be there. You know, it's just not normal. People aren't talking to, to animals. But I want you to remember, prior to the fall, man's relationships with animals was very different than what we experience today. So it's just different. So it's not unusual that there would be this comfortableness with animals. It's, just, it's not. This is all prior to the fall. It's very different than what we currently experience. However, there's a spiritual significance behind this too because, you know, we, we think of the devil, he's just going to show up in a pitchfork and he's going to look like the little cartoon character and we're just going to know when the devil shows up. But that's not the truth. He's cunning and subtle and clever and deceitful. That's what Paul, would you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11? This is what Paul said about him. Notice with me 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 13. You know, you think when the devil's going to call your house, you know, your phone's going to turn red hot and it's going to, the caller ID is 666. That's not going to happen. He's not going to reveal his cards like that. No, he's subtle. And listen to what Paul says. This is pretty powerful. Look at verse 13 with me. He talks about the false teachers, false apostles, deceitful workers. Notice what they do. These false teachers, false apostles, they transform themselves into apostles of Christ. Now, that's not a literal transformation. They don't, they're not becoming bad to good. They're presenting themselves that way. They're, they're transforming their appearance, the way they come off, how they, how they provide, you know, how they were messing with the Corinthians and undermining their faith. They came with genuineness or a veiled genuineness and sincerity. And he says, this is no wonder, verse 14, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So it's no great thing if ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. 
whose end will be according to their works, just like Jesus said. They're savage wolves, Paul said in Acts chapter 20. And Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. You'll know. You know, it's all a disguise. He's deceptive, not obvious. He comes with subtlety and craftiness. And what does he do? He comes in the form of a serpent here, indwelling this, this snake, this shining one. And it's enough to say, but I'll repeat it. When it comes to temptation, just don't start talking to the devil. Just let the Lord deal with the demonic. Let the Lord deal with the temptations. Just find yourself. I think the safest place for a believer is to be hidden in Christ. To stay, stay in the Lord. Let him deal with the issues. He's the father of lies. Well, verse 6, back in Genesis, it says, When the woman saw, mark that, the tree was good, mark that, for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desirable, mark that, to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves, fig leaves together and made for themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord of God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among all the trees of the garden. So you see the progression? Eve saw, Eve took, Eve ate, and she gave. When she saw, it gives us insight to the strategies of the devil. When she saw, this is Satan's desire to turn your look into lust. When she took, it's Satan's desire to turn your desire into a decision. When she ate, it's Satan's desire to turn your choice into slavery. And finally, when she gave, it's Satan's desire to turn the sinner into a seducer. You see, he didn't go after Adam. Because once Eve was involved, she could go after Adam. He could wipe his hands of it all. Turning look into lust, desire into decision, uh, choices into slavery, and turning the sinner into a seducer. You don't need to turn there, but let me read to you what John writes in his epistle in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. He says, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And Adam ate, but I want you to understand, Adam was not deceived. He sinned willfully. He had no interaction with the serpent, which could be a whole other Bible study um, that as Eve's husband, he left her vulnerable because there's no mention of her in this conversation. He's the covering of Eve, but he's also the federal head of humanity. The responsibility of sin being passed down to you and me is this guy, Adam, because he wasn't deceived. He sinned willfully. In 1 Timothy 2.14, it says, Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived fell into transgression. No, Adam sinned willfully. And the evil here wasn't in the beautiful tree or its, in, in, in his, its ability to impart knowledge and wisdom, but in the fact that man tried to fulfill in disobedience his own desires according against the will of God. And the pathway of temptation is no different today. You see, you take, you eat, and then you pass it on. Because no one ever sins alone. And the consequences of sin are never shared alone. There are people that love you and care for you. There are people that look up to you and follow you. There are people that 
depend upon you. You know, we often kind of look at it sometimes in a negative way. I don't think we ever should, but there are people watching you that you don't even know. But you don't have to be freaked out about that. They're watching you because they know you have a relationship with Jesus. You said so. And they're just watching you because they're on the fence. Oh, yeah, maybe some are watching you, waiting for you to fall. But look how long you've been living with the Lord, walking with the Lord, that they just keep watching and they can't see you fall, but they see you faithful. (laughs) Isn't that great? They want to see something bad, but you've offered them something totally different. So this is what a faithful, you know, made a mistake here and there. He stumbled here and there for sure. But man, this is what faithfulness looks like in the life of the believer. And their eyes were opened. And the very first thing they do is they hear God. You see that? Their eyes were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. Again, this is all happening together as they find themselves with a consciousness of sin that they never had before. And the first, conscious, the first consciousness of sin was one of shame. And they tried to cover themselves. And it was foolish. You know, putting fig leaves in your private areas is not a wise decision. So it's just sin upon, you know, mistake upon mistake. And they run away, try to hide. They hear the Lord and now they don't want the Lord. Haven't you found that to be true? It's like you're in, you've committed sin, it's not confessed or whatever, and you don't want the Lord anymore. That's why people become very antagonistic toward church, very antagonistic toward ministry, very antagonistic maybe toward you because they're filled with guilt and shame. And it's got to come out somewhere. They could come clean right now. They could come clean before the Lord. They know how to do it because now they know sin. But they don't. They run away. They try to conceal. Verse 8, it says, the first time as they hear the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the garden, they hid themselves uh, from the presence of the Lord. They, it says in verse 10, they were afraid. And now they don't have that oh, holy, awesome reverence of relationship. Now because of sin, they're afraid of God and the consequences that come from their behavior. And it seems as if this is a similar choice that we see so often. Those that, that sin, they run away from God instead of coming to him. Running away instead of just doing exactly what the Bible says. If just confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And even today, men and women are on a quest to conceal their own sin. And they're, they're doing all kinds of things that make no sense, just like fig leaves. It's like, do you know what you're doing? Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. We were uncomfortable before, but now it's more uncomfortable. I know. It's going to continue until you come clean with God. You got to come clean with God. You want to keep going back to sin? Then keep paying the price for it. Keep fearing God. Not in the holy sense, but like running away from him like he's going to hurt you or harm you. It's not God that's going to find you out. He already knows. We've already learned it's sin that will find you out. It'll be revealed. Sin has taken Adam and Eve from full fellowship to fear and isolation. It's what it does all the time. Those of you that live in pride and arrogance, knowledge puffing up, you are living in a fear and isolation. You don't know the love of God. You don't know the father love of God. And if you do, you're not experiencing it. You're misunderstanding it. You're running away, hiding. You hear God, but you don't want God. Imagine that. You hear God, believer, but you don't want God. That's a miserable place to be. The, the hearing of God goes hand in hand with wanting him and enjoying him, even as you are. Listen, the devil is a liar and a deceiver and a fraudster. 
And he uses the same weapons and tactics over and over again. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. This is exactly what Eve dealt with, and it's still the same today. Sin is attractive. The Bible says it's pleasurable for a season, but you have to make up your mind to follow God. And I just know that God is among us right now. He knows every one of us, both near and far. He knows our stories. He knows those in compromise. He knows the hurting. He knows those with doubts. He knows those with rejoicing. He knows that those that have returned. He knows those that are fighting sin. Because it's one thing to present yourself to sin, but it's another thing to fight it. To fight it in the strength of the Lord. To present yourself to God, a sin of righteousness. And then you're in the fight. Oh, it's a fight. For some, it's not going to go away right away. It's going to constantly be a temptation. It's part of the, the consequence. But man, the Lord is with you. Don't love the world, the Bible says, or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's something we all deal with. And we're reminded today, if you love the world, there's no room for the love of the Father in you. So stay focused. Forsake the world. Decry the lust. Come clean. Be honest. Let the Lord do a work cleansing in your life. So you can go back to a place of rejoicing. So why? You can hear the Lord and enjoy the Lord. You can hear the Lord and serve the Lord. You can hear the Lord and long to be with others that are hearing the Lord. You can hear the Lord and have his heart for the lost. You can hear the Lord and pray for the prodigal. You can hear the Lord and enjoy that waiting life for his soon return. Why? Because the blessed hope brings about purity and strength in your life and mine. That's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And we've been covering Genesis chapter 3. So, Pastor Ed, we learned today that the devil is a liar. What have you found to be the best way to detect these lies that sometimes can seem rather subtle or in line with cultural norms? Now, I know the answer to this question is going to sound overly simplistic, but that's not my intention. I really want you to take me at face value on this answer. You ready? I, I know you are, Larry, and I know your listeners are as well, but here's the answer. Know God's Word. You, When you know the truth, you are inoculated from falsehood. I, I do understand the subtleties and nuance of deception and manipulation, and our world is filled with that. We want to be careful and walk in wisdom. Uh, I was uh, thinking of this, uh, a verse was coming in, even as I'm, uh, even as I'm uh, thinking about it, uh, as I'm talking, I know I'm kind of stumbling now because I'm thinking about it, and then I'm going to try to look it up, uh, but it's, the Bible says, uh, circumspectly, the Bible tells us to walk circumspectly, uh, and so it says right here in Ephesians 5.15, so I found it. Uh, it says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. So not only knowing the word of God, but walking in the wisdom of God. Uh, and where do we get the wisdom of God? But in Jesus, he is our wisdom. And the and significance of walking circumspectly is to walk in such a way where you are living in the truth. Uh, you are living according to the truth, that you are finding your, your, yourself submitted to the truth. And I, again, I know as we were, um, as we were um, starting the question, uh, I was saying, hey, don't, it's not overly simplistic. Don't let it be over, overly simplistic for you because you just need to know the Bible and the Holy Spirit will take the truth uh, inside of you as you, the word of, as you know the Word of God, live the Word of God, and He will help you 
navigate in a very dark world. Uh, so stick to the Word of God. Read it and pray every day. Very helpful. Thanks again, Ed. If you enjoyed the message, hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. You can search for that in the App Store or Google Play. Just look for Ed Taylor. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio and Internet every day. But we can't do it alone. We look to our Lord and our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'll send you a copy of Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. Some of the featured topics include the art of reproducing leaders, the one indispensable requirement of leadership, and the tests of leadership. Let this classic be your guide for leadership and see how God works through you to do great things for His glory. Request a copy right now by calling us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it online at calvaryco.store. And then join us next time when we'll have another great study in the Word from Pastor Ed Taylor here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado and online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Abounding Grace.